Florida man strikes again. <laughs> Why is it always Florida man? Damn Florida man. So, did you hear about the 11-year-old girl in Florida that fought off a kidnapper with blue slime? I did hear about that. I watched a TikTok about it this morning. Okay, so when was this? So this was just a couple days ago in Florida, and this 11-year-old little girl was in her neighborhood. I don't know the full story, but a neighbor's surveillance camera caught the whole thing. I didn't know that. And she had actually watched an episode of Law & Order SVU and took the tip from taking slime that she was playing with and just, like, globbed it all over this kidnapper that was trying to... And he came up to her in a white car with a knife. Ugh. An 11-year-old girl. Can you imagine... No. I can't... For an 11-year-old to have the guts and the forethought to be like, how... Ooh, let me take this slime... Yeah. Did she just have the slime, like, in her pocket or something? Yeah, she was playing with this blue slime, and then she just covered him with it. It's the only thing she could think of, because she learned it from Law & Order SVU. And, and it freaked him out? Is that what happened? It helped identify him. Oh, okay. So when the police... She was like, yeah, he's got blue slime all over him, and they found him. And of course, there was a surveillance video, but... I so the slime the... stains your skin. Yeah, I guess I didn't so. know if, like, the slime, like, captured his DNA, like, skin particles. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I just saw a TikTok on it. I was, I was scrolling through TikTok this morning. <laughs> no, DNA. It was not that, that deep. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but... Not a forensic <laughs> scientist investigator. <laughs> Same. But it was really cool because Mariska Hargitay, who plays... I think Detective yeah. Benson or something on SVU, she heard about it and she tweeted that she was honored. That's so cool. To have, you know, been a part of that and that a child took that and from, the, from yeah, the show. she learned something from it. And applied it. I thought that was just amazing. That is cool. It's Carly. And I'm Shelby. And we're the Bones and Brunch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Um, we're excited. We're hanging out at Shelby's mother-in-law's. Woohoo! Her husband's been plying me with drinks, so you you guys just wait. He has totally enjoyed playing bartender. This morning? Should I say this morning? This this We'll pretend like it's this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> just because we started at 10 a.m. <laughs> doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Hashtag clinks glasses. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Don't judge us. But Shelby has a really cool story, and I'm so excited. We've been waiting for weeks. You guys, she works so hard on every episode that she does, and shout out to you. (laughs) I really hate this case. After all the research I had to do for it and how much of an asshole this dude is. Ooh. So who are we talking about today? So we're going to be talking about the vampire cult killer, and... His family, his childhood, and events that led up to the brutal double murder of Richard Windorf and Naomi Ruth Queen Windorf. Okay. His name is Roderick Justin Farrell, but he just goes by Rod. I'm surprised he doesn't go by Charles Manson. What a <laughs> psycho. I want to say he's not that bad, but this is still pretty bad. His, I never, I have never look, really looked into this case. I did, like, one time when it, like, hit the headlines mm-hmm. or whenever that was. Girl, you were... Two. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, if that... Oh, really? It was this long ago? Yeah, it happened in 1996. Holy shit, wait a second. Or four. I don't know. I'm not trying to give away your age here. <laughs> or pushing 30. I'm actually 12. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> give me that drink then. Man, what am I doing here? <laughs> no minors were harmed in this episode. I'm talking about murder with 12-year-olds. <laughs> anyway... Um, okay, so apparently I didn't hear it when it came out. I guess I just heard it, maybe it was, it circulated on Facebook It's kind of a big case, yeah, and it's coming back. Yeah, and, um, all I remember is seeing his pictures from the courtroom Mm -hmm. with this guy with, like, really long hair. Yep, that's him. And, like, making these, like, strange faces. Yeah, that's him. So that's what gives me Manson vibes, because it's like, he's like, I don't give a fuck, I was happy to do this, and I'm like... He said he... Well, we'll get to it, but he... So I didn't put this in here so I can say it now, but he, like, sticks his tongue out whenever he was being arrested and says, God bless America. Like, he did anything for attention. Are we sure this wasn't Trump? Or Trump Jr.? Oh, good God. <laughs> I'm concerned. Are they related? 
So his name is Roderick Justin Farrell. He goes by Rod. He was born in Murray, Kentucky on March 28th, 1980. And just to give you a little insight about the town he was from, it's known as the Buckle of the Bible Belt. So it's kind of like one of those towns. It's a dry a dry town, so no alcohol is sold there. Mm, leave us out. And get this, there's one church per every 300 feet in Murray. 300 feet? One church per every 300 feet. That's a little excessive. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how big the town is. Like, I didn't see, like, how many miles <laughs> long like, it is or whatever. Watch it be, like, three churches. The town is approximately <laughs> 500 square feet. <laughs> And the only person from there is the vampire fire killer guy. Well, Rod Farrell is the most, like, famous, infamous part of Murray. Do they have a sign when you drive into the town that says, Home of the Vampire Killer? <laughs> Hometown of the famous vampire killer? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. Sorry if you live in Murray, Kentucky. So his parents are Sandra Gibson and Rick Farrell. And per his mother, Sandra, her and Rick met in high school in their homeroom class. She said they started dating shortly after they met, and about a year and a half into their relationship, Sandra got pregnant with Rod at 16 years old. Wow. She was 17 when she gave birth to him, and she said a few weeks after she had Rod that she and Rick got married. Their marriage, however, did not last long at all. They only lived together for about a month, and they were divorced before Rod's first birthday. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean... You're 17 years old getting married. Yeah, statistically. I guess you can say they tried. Yes. So, soon after their divorce, Rick left to join the military, only seeing Rod just a handful of times throughout his childhood. So, he was raised primarily by his mother and his maternal grandparents, and their names were, well, are, I'm not sure if they're still living or not, I think they are, Harold and Rosetta Gibson. Rod said that the closest person he ever had to a father figure, though, was his close friend named Jaden. He did not have a very stable childhood at all. Sandra and Rod bounced around a lot between Kentucky and Florida. Part of the reason for their frequent moves is because Sandra and Rod just lived with her parents Mm. and Harold, his grandfather, his job caused them to go back and forth between the two states quite often. Sandra said that Rod's childhood, they, in Rod's childhood, they moved back and forth between the two states about seven or eight times. Wow. So that's how unstable their lives, well, his life started out to be. Hers too. She was just a teenager. Of course. Sandra said that she supported her and her son by working as an exotic dancer and occasionally as a sex worker and that she often would leave Rod with his grandparents to do sex work. She also stated that she heavily used drugs and alcohol during those times. But you got to do what you got to do to support your kid. But. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not about shaming. You know what? If you want to use what God gave you to get an income, I'm not going to judge you at all. Absolutely. I'm in the same place. But you got to take care of your kid. Absolutely. And according to court documentation, Rod had stated that when his mom was away, he was sexually abused by his grandfather when he was just five years old. That's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. There are, there were never any charges filed against him for these allegations, but Rod did say that whenever he was being like, I don't want to say interviewed, like interrogated, mm, not even interrogated. Like whenever he was talking to like a psychiatrist, Okay, gotcha. something like that. It came out of the woodwork. It came out of the woodwork, which I really don't think that should have been public record because he still was a minor at the time, but he's a murderer, so we can talk about that kind of stuff. Pretty typical. Sandra said that Rod was a well-behaved child until he got into middle school, and that's when he would get into trouble at school with skipping classes and falling asleep during class. And when Rod was just two years old, he was hospitalized for encephalitis. I may be saying that wrong, but it's inflammation of the brain caused by an infection or allergic reaction. (gasps) Yeah, so... So he probably had, like, an ear infection or something. I don't know what... Because that does go to your brain. Yes. In more serious cases, it can lead to changes in neurological function and trouble with learning, thinking, and speech. So he was really neglected. Yes, absolutely. Okay. He was very neglected as a child. Wow. Really giving him a chance, And that's just my opinion, but... I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah. So she said he was well-behaved as a child until he got into middle school, and that's when he would get into trouble at school. Most and, kids do that. Yeah. Middle school is the fucking worst. Yeah, middle school was my worst. It's the worst for everybody, time. I think. Because you're in the middle of puberty, mm-hmm. and you're not old enough to be able to process your childhood trauma if you have any. And so then you have to go in, and middle school is just a bunch of fucking kid, angry, confused, prepubescent children. 
And then, you know, it's just a mix for disaster. Yes. Middle school boys were the worst. They were. So Sandra for sure had a different relationship with her son. I would call it unusual compared to most mother-son relationships. She was the person who first introduced her son to the idea of vampires. And also she introduced Rod into fantasy games. She loved to play Dungeons and Dragons and introduced Rod to the fantasy world of mythical creatures. She even admitted herself that she dabbled into vampirism and occult activity. I mean, there's a way to do that in a healthy range. But if you're, you literally think you're a vampire, that's a little bit too much. Which is, I think, what she did. Because we like occult stuff. Yeah. We, lo- we have literally watched every vampire thing out there. And I've certainly watched it in front of my kid. But I'm not like... I'm a vampire, <laughs> you know, like I'm not like, yes. And it's where I believe that, you know, it's like, a, not it's like a not mental disorder. your identity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. An identity, not a mental disorder. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> Just add I it don't to know. the list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's definitely a little bit of mental health issues there. If you think you're going to grow fangs and fly away. <laughs> <laughs> fly away into the night. <laughs> like Adam Sandler and <laughs> Mavis. <laughs> Mavis. Hotel Transylvania, we stand. How old are we? Maybe we are 12. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so she and Rod would watch horror movies together, and in an interview that Sandra did, she said that one of the movies they loved to watch together was The Crow. Okay. Have you, a... Are you familiar with that movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Classic. Classic. Yes. So if you're not familiar with this movie, it's a fantasy horror film that came out in 1994. Where the main character is killed and brought back to life, kind of like vampirish way to seek revenge on those who killed him in his true love, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But during the filming of this movie, the actor who played the main character, Brandon Lee, actually died while shooting a scene that went terribly wrong. Ugh, which is so sad. It is. Because he made that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. And he died so damn young. Yes, this was his like debut film. I know, it really was. So sad. Which is, is, he's Bruce Lee. Yes. The, um, you know. Everybody knows who Bruce everybody Lee Everybody knows who the hell. Yeah. Do I, I mean, really, do I have to give him a bio? But no. we all know who the hell Bruce Lee is. It was his son. Yes. Wow. So that was one of their favorite movies to watch together. And so while they would watch The Crow, uh, Rod would actually put on his mother's makeup, like her black eyeliner and her black clothing to try to be like the main character in yeah, this film. Yeah, I like, can see that. Like role playing while watching it. Gotcha. During Rod's freshman year of high school, when living in Eustis, Florida, he became close with Heather Windorf, who the newspaper the, Dis- the Sentinel described as troubled and who rebelled against her parents over cleaning her room and other minor issues. Mm. Rod and Heather would continue their friendship through Rod's moves like back and forth between Murray and Eustis. For his sophomore year of high school, when he moved back to Murray, they would talk on the phone constantly. And Sandra reported that he would run up phone bills that would be, like, astronomical. Like, one... And this is, like, back in the 90s. Yeah. No, yeah. First off, everybody still had a cord phone Yes. Then. No... There were no portable house phones at that time. Correct. Correct. And one of... And it was long distance. You remember when long distance was a thing? Yeah, because I had to actually go through the damn telephone pole. That's yes. That's why it was so damn expensive. One of her phone bills... She testified this. One of her phone bills was $1,000. And this wow. was in the 90s. And it was that expensive. So in September of 1995, at 15 years old, that's when Rod moves back to Murray, Kentucky from Eustis, Florida. And at this point in Rod's childhood, he pretty much had developed into a darker and like what I would describe as like 90s gothic style. Yeah, which was very popular at the time. It wasn't unusual. A lot of people were like this. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. No, not at all. It's... But when you live in a place like Murray, Kentucky, that is the buckle of the Bible Belt, you are looked at as a freak. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can understand that. Been there. <laughs> White House, I'm talking about you. <laughs> y'all, y'all may not be the belt buckle, but you're a belt loop. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Oh, that's so funny. So he would wear, like, all this, like, black clothing, long trench coats, like, the combat boots, you know. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen Scream? Janko jeans. Yes. The whole nine yards. Probably the, uh, what were those big goth pants? I forget. Trip pants. trip pants. Yes. Yes. Girl, my friends were still buying those on Hot Topic in 2007. I never did. (laughs) I never did either, but I used to date a guy who would wear them to school, like, every day. I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) Because emo guys are hot. They are. (laughs) They are. It is what it is. 
Okay. If you're a little ruined, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) Except for this guy, because he's a fucking psycho. Oh, yeah. He takes it a little too far. Dude, these strings are really strong. I know! (laughs) When you start talking about the exes. (laughs) So he'd become very disrespectful to his teachers, refused to do schoolwork, skipped a lot, you know, typical bad boy. Yeah, sure. And this is when he meets Stephen Jaden Murphy, who just goes by Jaden. And Jaden was a senior at the time. Rod was a sophomore at Callaway County High School. Okay. Other kids at the school would actually try to encourage Rod and Jaden to fight for some reason. But they actually became friends. Jaden kind of took Rod under his wing and treated him as like a younger brother who Rod would see as a father figure, which I mentioned earlier. That's really sad when you're a friend of yours Mm -hmm. is a parental figure. Yes. When you're like... 16 or yes. however old he was. Yes, and Jaden did have a very strong personality. I watched a lot of, like, interviews and documentaries on him, and he does have a very strong, like, personality. Kind of crazy, but you just have to watch him. Gotcha. Jaden was also the sire and leader of a local group of vampires. The sire? He was the sire. All hail sire King Jaden of the vampire cult. Prince. He went by Prince Jaden, actually. Prince Jaden. <laughs> Oh, you guys. This is taking cosplaying to a whole other level. Absolutely. So members of this group referred to it as the family. And people around town would call them the Murray Vampires. Jaden, So they were empowered by that. Yes. Oh, yes. The town acknowledged these weirdos. Oh, yeah. Everybody in Murray knew who they were. Jaden claimed to be everyone's father in the Vampires family. So and he, he was like Manson. Yeah. Yes. Okay. In a way. And yeah, I'm not saying he was Manson, but like Jaden, I'm way. I'll get into this before, but I want to say this now because I don't want to portray Jaden as a bad person. Okay. Because he's not. He's just a misunderstood teen. Okay. At this so time. he was misunderstood. Jaden is not a bad person. Okay. Very misunderstood. Very into fantasy role play. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't Rod. We'll just say that. Okay, sure. Jaden claimed to transform into a vampire, you must exchange a small portion of each other's blood. That was a direct quote from him. Okay. And he said, at this time, like, I don't know if Jaden still feel this way, feels this way. He's much older now. Sure. Yeah, he, they're in their, like, 40s. Yes. But Jaden claimed at this time that archaeologists and scientists can prove that vampires exist and go back to the beginning of time. <laughs> Obviously, this was before TikTok. <laughs> Now, I really wanted to watch this, but there is a Oxygen show called Cult Killings, and I didn't get to watch it because you have to pay for it, but I watched, like, snippets of it, and Jaden is, like, when was this? This was, like, in 2019. Okay. So, Jaden's much older, looks normal. I don't don't want to say normal because... He's if you dress a guy. certain way, it doesn't mean you're not normal. Yeah, I mean, but you're not going to wear wearing trip pants He's not. Yeah, he's not wearing trench coats, red contacts. He doesn't have like, his Yu-Gi-Oh cards in his pocket. Yes. Dungeons and Dragons or yes. whatever it is that they were playing, they were into. But there's this Oxygen interview that he did for this show called Cult Killings, and he, I watched like one little snippet of it, and he is talking about Rod, and he definitely has toned down since... His vampire days, we'll say. Well, I can only imagine you wouldn't want to be associated for the rest of your life with something as horrible as any kind of murder. Absolutely. Jaden wasn't a bad person. Cool. So his mother, Penny, said in an interview, though, this woman is hilarious, by the way. Is this Jaden's mother? Yes, Jaden's mother, Penny. Her name's Penny. She said... Vampires, I call it bullshit. <laughs> Vampires are mythical beings. Trips on acid are not good enough for them. They have to do bizarre things. She totally disagreed with her son's lifestyle. Gotcha. And according to Rod, Jaden introduced him in, into, and I quote, the true vampiric way of life. All right. And what the hell does that consist of? <laughs> we will get there. Okay. So... Jaden and Rod are, you know, obviously pretty good friends at this point. And Jaden would say this about Rod in an interview. 
He was the same as me. I saw me in his eyes at the time. He was tapping into the side of life that I was also dancing in. You know, the darker side of your soul. Everyone has it, and he let it envelop him instead of, you know, pushing it away and trying to hide himself. So Rod and Jaden's friendship continued throughout that school year, and in January of 1996, Jaden invited Rod to become a vampire, and this is when Rod was officially made into a vampire by Jaden. By their little ritual that they do. Yes, and we'll talk about that. In a video interview you can actually access on YouTube, it's called Real Stories. It's This is worth looking up. If you get anything from this case, look this up. It is done in, like, true 90s, like, I don't know. Aesthetic. <sighs> yeah. I'm trying to think, like. Is it, like, with an old camcorder and stuff? No, it's not. Like, it's it's a real, like, 90s news thing. Like, you know, with, like, the music, like, the techno, like, do-do-do-do. I don't know. <laughs> you know how, like, whenever you watch, like, an old interview from the 90s yes absolutely well they dramatize it and it's really good Good. it's old but it's like a 45 documentary on youtube you can watch for free okay so i'm going to explain how rod described his transformation into a vampire and it's pretty graphic if you've never seen twilight or the vampire diaries you would think you have a pretty good idea of how vampires are made but no you're wrong it doesn't have anything to do with the vampire bite or dying with a vampire's blood in your system or in true blood like getting in a hole and yeah burying with the with a dead yeah <laughs> whatever triplet was a little weird progeny i didn't realize how weird that was well i guess since that's what that was the basis of yeah it. so this is actually how you become a vampire so take notes oh okay they're gonna tell us rod said that this is okay so let me describe just like rod's transformation So Rod said that Jaden took him to the Old Salem Cemetery in Murray, Kentucky, and led him to a certain tombstone Jaden called the birthplace, where all the chosen ones had been made by their sires. (laughs) And who, may I ask, was under this tombstone? Was this guy a vampire? Okay, let me just tell you something. Probably some, like, Civil War vet from 1854 Dude, if I pass away, like, I'm, like, buried and have a tombstone, (laughs) and some motherfuckers decide to do some like cult-like ritual on top of me no offense to those in a cult but if you're gonna do this shit on top of my dead body i will come fucking haunt you just like brandon lee (laughs) i will haunt your ass your fake vampire ass we are now a crow (laughs) (laughs) so how rod explained it is that once they're they were in the cemetery at this birthplace tombstone Jaden took out a blade a razor blade and gave it to him rod made three slits on his left arm with the blade and then Jaden drank from his cuts oh it's that's all i can think about and Jaden would slit his arm for rod to then drink from him oh, you guys it's just so toxic and according to rod after they fed on each other Then they sat there in quiet meditation for hours before finally departing from the cemetery. Like, I know that we can, like, laugh at this because it's so... Bizarre. It's so different and, like... But we have to think about what that time was like. These guys were not on MySpace. They weren't on the internet. This was their life, and it sounds like they were pretty serious about it. Yeah, I I mean... mean, They're coordinating meeting up at a gravestone and calling it the rebirth or whatever. It was really serious to them. Yeah, and I mean, we laugh and joke about it now, but that That was was what it was like. That was their life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that was the night that Rod truly joined Jaden's vampire family, and membership into this family required total loyalty and obedience. Mm. And putting the vampire's family's needs above everyone else was, like, top priority. Of course. Jaden had dropped out of high school, and Rod was expelled for behavioral issues just a short short time after this transformation. Neither of them had any plans at all for their future. They spent a lot of their time acting and playing a few different role-playing games. One of their favorite games was Vampire the Masquerade, which I never heard of it until researching for this. It's like a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game. Oh, okay. It's... I'm glad. I was trying to speak. My bad. Let me turn this on silent. That's okay. Um, real quick, I want to say, <clears throat> so I understand what it's like to um, 
I understand what it's like to value your friends as if they're your family. Because how I've always been is my friends are my family, and that's why I'm so invested in my friends. But it sounds like, and we're not that far into the case, but it sounds like Rod, is his name? Mm -hmm. Sounds like Rod was desperately seeking for some kind of familial type of group yes because he, he didn't have that at home no he definitely needed his home was not a safe space because his grandfather Correct. was molesting him his mother was doing her own thing mm-hmm. i guess maybe trying as hard as she could i don't really know i can't judge her for what she was doing she suffered with her own mental illnesses as well i mean maybe she was molested there were i didn't put this in there but there were things i read doing research for it that said possibly but i just didn't have enough to back it up yeah to say 100 percent she was absolutely but it sounds like he really gravitated because let's think about it this way and i'm not i'm not trying to say well this this is the reason he did what he did because i don't know exactly what he did but just from a child's point of view and a psychological point of view he gravitated towards people that were willing to accept him Absolutely. And... Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to feel accepted. Absolutely. And it sounds like he got that, but he just took it way too far. Yes. Okay. So, and like you said, he took it way too far. We're about to get into the part where he takes it way too far past of what Jaden was okay with. Sure. So, one night, Jaden and Rod decided to go for a late night walk to discuss their life problems, and while they were walking, Rod found a kitten. And I'm going to say trigger warning here, because if you don't want to hear anything about animal abuse, you may want to skip forward a little bit. Sure. But he picked up this kitten and was petting it, and like any kitten that doesn't want to be held, it clawed him. Sure. And when the kitten clawed him, something, Jaden, per Jaden, something inside him just snapped. Like, he saw Rod's face just change. And he slammed the kitten against a tree, killing it instantly. Oh. Yeah, a little rough. Um, Per Jaden, he said at this moment is when he started pulling back from their friendship. Jaden never had intentions of hurting a living being. He never talked about murder or he may have even talked about it in his games, but he never had intentions of hurting a living being ever. He knew the difference between real life and, and fantasy. fantasy. Yes. Whereas Rod, I don't think he did. He, yeah. He wanted fantasy. Correct. Um, Jaden's interpretation of his way of vampirism was that you only drink enough blood to survive. You don't do it to cause harm. And Rod didn't see it that way. Um, that is weird gross yes that's just nasty it is it is biologically that's just gross <laughs> i'm just thinking about yeah human, all the things that are in human blood human speaking that's nasty but if you're a vampire that's how you survive yes <laughs> so whenever rod hurt this animal Jaden really started to reconsider their friendship and how he saw rod as a person sure of course and which is a normal human response yes because Jaden was a human yeah that's disturbing that's how we can look at it. Jaden was a human. Rod was a monster. Because at the end of the day, this... I'm not even going to say man. This child is a monster. Sure. Shortly after this incident, Jaden, another member of the vampire family, who went by the name of Bones, went over to Rod's house to talk to him about killing the kitten. The argument got really heated, and Rod threatened to kill Jaden. The fight got physical, but Rod stated in an interview that there was no fight to it. He just slammed me into a wall, and that was that. I told him to leave, go. That night I would have killed him. Whether I loved him or not, I would have killed him. That's what Jaden, or that's what, excuse me, that's what Rod said. About Jaden. About Jaden. Yeah, he's definitely disturbed. Very. For such a young mind, Mm -hmm. especially. That's horrible. After this argument, Jaden banished him from the vampire family. Rod had stated by this point of his life that he was completely out of control. Rod admitted to this. That he was completely out of control and was heavy into drugs. Some of the drugs he said he would use included, and then these are in Rod's words because I've never even heard of a couple of these, weed, acid, PCP, crank, and heroin. If it's not cocaine or crack, it's meth. It's one Mm -hmm. of those three. I forget exactly which one, but it's one of those, and it's such a dangerous drug. So PCP was extremely common in the 90s. Okay. That was, you guys, people are still doing PCP, but it it was extremely common. Um, 
psychoactive type of drug. Well, then that explains a lot for Rod. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody would be. I mean, you know, like those people that are on bath salts that Mm -hmm. drink like bleach and stuff because they go crazy. They don't know what they're doing. That's PCP similar. Okay. It's a very similar experience. I've never done it. I just wanted to say. (laughs) I've never done any of those. PCP, acid, and weed. That guy, that kid was fucked up. So soon after he was banished from Jaden's family, he decided that he was going to create his own vampire clan. And like you said, maybe drug-induced, now claiming that he was a 500-year-old vampire named Visago, which he got inspiration from playing the vampire role games. Okay. The first member of his new clan was Michael Scott Schaefer, who was 15 at the time. He then soon recruited 16-year-old Charity Kesey, who was his girlfriend, and stated that she just wanted to marry Rod. 19-year-old Dana Cooper, who was just a friend, and 16-year-old Scott Anderson, who was a friend. Rod claimed that all his new members saw him as their vampire father, just as Rod saw Jaden. Sure. And just a few months after Rod had killed the kitten, on October 14th, 1996... A group of people had broken into an animal shelter in Murray and tortured, killed, (gasps) and mutilated puppies. Not just dogs. Little baby puppies. That's horrible. It was horrible. Oh my god. It was a massacre. Yeah, and I'm not going to go into detail. Like I said, the documentary I was talking about earlier on YouTube, you can find more details about it. I'm not going to go into it because you can picture for yourself if you're a vampire what you're going to do. What a fucking weirdo. So Deputy Sheriff Max Parrish, who was called to the scene of the crime, said it was the worst torture of an animal he had ever seen. That is awful. Mm -hmm. Parrish also states that he took statements from several people around the area who said they had seen a local vampire colt near the shelter that day. Rod was charged for breaking in and mutilating the animals at the animal shelter And per court records in Murray, after this incident, he was ordered to go to counseling. But I think his mother only took him to, like, two appointments or sessions, and then he never went back, or she just couldn't get him to go back. Mm. Rod claimed he had nothing to do with that attack on the puppies, even though people around the area claimed to see him near the animal shelter earlier that day. And Rod had claimed there was more cult activity in Murray than just his vampire group. Well, yeah, because it sounds like he made his own cult. Yes, you know, he ditched Jaden. clan, yeah. Clan. <laughs> Excuse me. Not a cult. It sure isn't a cult persuading people to go into a fucking shelter of animals and mutilating and torturing animals. That's not cult-like at all. These guys are just... Sorry. When I hear harm of animals... I, I mean, humans, I'm like, eh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's all <laughs> fucked up. That's all fucked well, up. Well, animals are just so pure. Yeah. They They're love innocent. you unconditionally. So it's hard... It's- Harder to talk about, for me at least. I mean... It is. It's harder to talk about animals. We're just more desensitized, Yes, I think, to humans. So even though Rod claimed he didn't have anything to do with this incident, just six weeks after the killing of the animals at the shelter is when Rod would commit the murders of the Windorfs. Gotcha. So shortly after the incident at the shelter, Heather Windorf's parents completely cut off her phone privileges. And this is, like the turning point for Rod. He, that really, really pissed him off. He decided that he and his clan were going to drive down to Florida and rescue Heather from her parents. (gasps) Now, if you remember, Heather was the friend he would talk on the phone to and rack up these huge phone bills with. Okay. So he was like obsessed with her. (sighs) Just like really close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was a friend that he enjoyed talking to. Sure. I mean, you remember the MySpace days when you would message someone back and forth for hours at a time. Yeah. I mean, he was desperate for somebody to love him. Yes. Now, he did have a girlfriend at this time, so I don't I don't think he had any romantic interest in Heather, and Heather had a boyfriend at this time. They were just close friends. Sure. So, Heather had told Rod that her parents were abusing her, and her father would sexually assault her, which I want to say right now is not true at all. Oh, okay. Um, and whenever she told Rod these things, she would also tell him that she wanted to run away. Um, but, of course, later in interviews, Heather... When Heather was being questioned by the police, she did admit that her parents did not abuse her in any way at all, and that she liked her parents. Of course she did. Because she didn't want to get in fucking trouble. Mm -hmm. 
So Rod and his new clan hatched up this plan that they were gonna go to that they were going to drive south to Florida to pick up Heather and move to New Orleans because according to Rod, that was the vampire capital of the world. <laughs> you might meet Klaus there. Ooh. <laughs> Klaus. I want to meet Klaus. <laughs> Take us away. But don't eat us, please. Sorry, Brady. <laughs> the only blonde she'll ever leave her husband for. Only blue-eyed blonde. That is 100% accurate. Yes. <laughs> so Rod had also stated that he's been wanting to leave Murray for at least six months due to the local police trying to blame him for, and I quote, so many things. Well, <laughs> when you guys are the only ones walking around with blood around your chin and trip pants and you're entering in shelters of puppies, they're probably going to scope you out more often. Yes. And doing blood rituals in cemeteries. Like my chemical romance said, teenagers scare the living shit out of me. <laughs> okay. If Gerard Way is scared of you, something is going on. First off, I'm team Gerard Way all the way. All the way with Way. Um, Team Way. <laughs> oh my god, everybody loves Gerard Way. He's such a good creative. You know, he's the one that created Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. I Amazing. love that show. Me too. It was originally comics. Yes, but... yes. So Rod had been wanting to leave Murray for all the shit that he's done that was catching up to him. Especially 19-year-old Dana Cooper. Rod and his clan are planning to leave and... 19-year-old Dana Cooper really wanted to go on this trip. She had said she just wanted a fresh start to life. Mm. And the day before, or the day of the trip to Florida, Rod went to a friend's house by the name of Shannon Yoey to use her phone to call Heather to let her know that he was leaving for Florida to rescue her. Shannon claimed that Rod did tell her that he was going to kill Heather's parents, but she didn't believe him. It's unclear if she was a member of his vampire clan or not. I don't want to say that she was, but she was a close friend. So on November 25th, 1996, Rod, Scott, Charity, and Dana all left to go to Florida, traveling in Scott's red Buick Skylark. Oh my gosh, here we go. So Michael, who was Rod's first member of this clan, was supposed to go and did say in an interview he would have gone with them. He wasn't planning anything malicious like Rod had been. He just wanted to get out of, out of Murray. Luckily for him, just a few days before the trip, his mother had him admitted to a treatment center for children with behavioral problems. Oh my gosh. Well, at least I guess she was yes. noticing finally something. Yeah. So the group left for Florida on November 25th, 1996. Rod claimed that he had taken golden dragonfly acid and then was in Florida 12 hours later, claiming to not remember much of the drive down there at all. I cannot imagine lugging someone around to Florida from Kentucky tripping out on acid. Mm -hmm. How the hell did they get away with it? All teenagers, too. That's terrifying. Have y'all been around somebody that's tripped on acid? How the fuck did they get down there? Oh my god, that's terrifying. So Dana Cooper claimed that when they left for Florida, they were all relaxed and cutting up. Like, not like cutting themselves, just like joking around. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, how sad is it because they're so crazy you have to specify the difference? Anyways, but further into the trip, the more tense things became, is what she said. She stated that he was calm one minute and then, like, crazy yelling and sporadic the next. Mm-hmm. Once they got to Florida, they met with Heather, and it's reported that Rod and Heather went to a local Eustace cemetery so that Heather could cross over to become a vampire and officially become part of the clan. But they weren't at the birthplace or whatever. <laughs> the tombstone. <laughs> and this special vampire tombstone in the middle of the fucking nowhere. Place, yeah. Of Kentucky. So details are kind of fuzzy, like, of what happened, like, play by play. But after she was transformed, the boys had decided that they would need bigger and better transportation to get to New Orleans from Florida. Mm. So they came up with a plan to steal Heather Windorf's parents' Ford Explorer. Oh, okay. And while the girls were... And I should have specified... Heather Windorf lives in Eustis, Florida. So they drove from Murray, Kentucky back to Eustis, Florida, where Rod used to live. That's where Heather lived at. Gotcha. 
While the girls in the clan were driving Heather to her boyfriend's house to say goodbye to him in Scott's Buick Skylark, uh, Rod and Scott were on foot talking. I don't know what they were doing. I guess like walking up and down the road, um, talking about plans. And that's when they decided to steal her parents' car, eventually resulting into the terrible murder of Ruth and Richard Wendorf, Heather's parents. So on the night of November 25th, 1996, the same day that they had left Murray, Kentucky, Rod Farrell and Scott Anderson made their way towards Heather Wendorf's family home on foot. At the time, only her parents were inside. Per Detective Al Gussler, the teenage boys circled and scoped out the home before entering the garage, which led into their house. As the boys were entering the garage, Rod decided that they needed a weapon and found a crowbar. Oh my gosh. Where, okay, so she was with her boyfriend saying goodbye. Yes. And the two guys left and walked to her parents' house. Yes, and were hatching up this plane to try to steal their car. Their car. Gotcha. So they had bigger transportation. Dana Cooper had said that part of the reason why things got so tense while driving down to Florida is because Scott's car was so small. So, like, all of their shit was just, like, piled in their laps and it was getting uncomfortable. Yeah. And the they further were on into acid. the trip. Yes. <laughs> the but further you- into the trip. Yeah. <laughs> Shelby and her dad jokes. <laughs> Stop it. I love them. <laughs> okay, so the way the Windorf's home was set up, you would walk in through the garage to the laundry room. The once in the laundry room, there's another door to the house, and that's where they entered the home through. Okay. And I'm pretty sure all the doors were unlocked at this time. There were no reported break-ins. I mean, it was probably a safer town. It was yeah. the mid-90s. I'm pretty sure Eustis, Florida is a smaller town. Gotcha. It's not that far away from where I grew up, maybe about an hour. Okay. But, so the boys enter the garage, find a crowbar, and then enter the home through the laundry room. Mm. Richard Richard Windorf was sleeping on the couch, and Ruth was in the shower. At the time, the boys entered the home to look for and steal the keys to the Explorer. How Rod had described what happened while in the home went like this. I'm going to explain it in his words, and I'm not trying to come off insensitive to what happened because this is awful, but Rod is a monster, and the way he explains what happened is pretty rough, so I'm not trying to be insensitive. This is just a direct quote. But yes, this is all direct quotes, and you'll know it is because he's kind of (laughs) dumb. Clearly. (laughs) Okay, I didn't put this in there, but I'll go ahead and set it. He said, you didn't know you need something sharp to impale somebody. You didn't know you needed something sharp to impale someone. Yes. So he thought he could just impale anybody with a small, or with a dull... Object, yes. Because the human body's a little bit more tough than that. That might mean, that might hurt. Maybe he thinks he has super strength because he's a vampire. I don't know. Yeah, he's 500 years old, I forgot. (laughs) He's had a lot of time to bulk up. (laughs) Look up pictures of him, too. Because he's not... Edward, Edward has nothing on this guy, you guys. You think I have noodle arms? Look up Rod Farrell, okay? <laughs> this guy definitely has some noodle arms. He probably can't even carry a back. Wait, what is it called? A bag of cat litter? <laughs> Carly's throwing me under the bus. Every time I buy cat litter, I have to make my husband carry it up the stairs to our apartment. We live on the second floor because it's just too damn heavy, okay? Who has time for that? Well, it's like 30 pounds of cat litter. (laughs) And she does have little noodle arms. It's not her fault. Sad face. Her mom has noodle arms and her dad has chicken legs. (laughs) Damn, you really threw my parents under the bus. (laughs) Mr. W, I love you. Only people that listen to our podcast are your parents. <laughs> hey, we got good supporters, okay? <laughs> yes, we do. <sighs> okay. So, like I said, I'm describing this is how Rod described it. Sure. Direct quote. Direct quote. Here we go. So, Rod described them as being fast and quiet as they entered the home and that the couple couldn't hear them because he had the TV cranked. So, I'm assuming just really loud. Yeah. He goes on to describe, and this is where it gets graphic. He said, it was as we turned around that I saw he was coming up. 
and boom, right across the temple of the head. It knocked him out cold. And while he was cool, I figured now or never, because if he gets up, I'm a fucking dead motherfucker. So I just beat him until he died. He beat him till he died. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much anger someone small framed, or anyone for that matter, would have to have in order to beat him? Yes. But he sucker punched him. And then while he was, No, no, no. He didn't... He, like, boom with the crowbar. He had the crowbar. Oh, the crowbar. Yes. Oh. Rod's noodle arms couldn't do nothing to... That's what I was yeah. thinking. I was no. like, oh, I, I forgot about the crowbar. Yes. <gasps> oh, yuck. Yeah, like I said, I'm describing it from his point of view, so it is kind of hard to he, understand. It was with a crowbar that Rod... Beat the hell out of him. Beat the hell out of him. Okay, okay. That makes more sense. I forgot about the crowbar. Mm-hmm. That's still horrible. Yes. Bludgeoned to death. Rod then said, and I quote, I striked him once in the chest because he wouldn't stop breathing, so I stabbed him in the heart. So he beat him, and then he he could still see his chest rising up and down. Sure. So that's when he, like, took the not curved, and you know, the, you know, the, the sharp, sharp end of the crowbar and just, like, stabbed him. Oh my god! Oh, that's hard to talk about. So Rod continued to say, as I was heading back to the bedroom to look for the Explorer keys, that's whenever her mom came out through the kitchen area, and she, like, started to lunge at me. So pause. Rod was entering, you know, entering the home, looking through the Ford Ford Explorer keys. She came out of her bedroom through the kitchen wearing a robe. She just got out of the shower. She had a cup of coffee in her hands, and he, and this woman fought for her life. She threw the cup of coffee on him and fought back so rod's quote she spilt her coffee on me went all over me and then she clawed my face and grabbed my wrist that's when i took the straight end of the crowbar and started bashing the back of her head oh my god oh he really went there he didn't care mm-hmm. all to steal a car child had rage like he went there planning to kill somebody. He wanted to kill somebody. He definitely left it on the table. Yes. He, like, it was, like, a plan that he was, like, okay with, but mm-hmm. probably didn't explore it too much with his friends. He definitely did not go up to that girl and said, oh, hey, while you're saying bye to your boyfriend, I'm gonna go up the street and yeah. kill your fucking parents. Yes. And Heather claimed that Rod didn't say that. Like, she... I'm sure he didn't. Mom. Because she would be like, no, the fuck you're not. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, but he's the dad, right? The cult member. Yes. The leader. And like I said, these are teenagers. Things are so fuzzy. So there's lying involved. Like, one minute Heather's like, I want my parents dead because they're abusing me. The other minute, she's like a normal teenager. Yeah. And, you know, and life is like that when you're a teenager. And life is fleeting. But and Heather was young. She was 14. 14? Either that's 14 like, or 15. That's me... like 8th grade or freshman status. Yeah, Heather was either 14 or 15 Who at this time. was going through puberty. What did we just talk about? Freshman or sophomore high school. So Rod had said, she was holding on to me. She had her fingernails embedded in my skin. Until she was going to let go, I was going to beat the fuck out of her. And he did. So after Rod had killed the Windorfs, he continued to search the home for the car keys and when they found them they took it and left the home to go meet up with the girls who were now on their way back to heather's house gotcha and scott was with rod at the whole time like what was he doing just standing there he froze up scott completely froze up during the time of the murders and scott said that and rod admitted to it he's like yeah scott didn't do anything i did it all scott froze up i'm surprised he didn't turn the crowbar on his friend Maybe it's because he drank his blood. <laughs> Fucking weirdo. <laughs> they were bonded. They were bonded by the blood. What is it? Uh, true blood. Um, progeny. That was his progeny. <laughs> okay, Pam. Sucky. <laughs> Sucky. <Sucker>. Male. <laughs> oh my god. I no, we stand true blood. Yes, we love true blood seen it a thousand times and we'll always watch it so they get the keys to the explorer and go looking for the girls who are on the way back from heather's boyfriends and according to dana cooper the 19 year old when heather saw them approaching their car and her parents vehicle at first she thought it was her parents coming to look for her and she like started freaking out 
because she thought she was going to be in trouble, not knowing that her her parents parents were were murdered. Right. Charity, Rod's girlfriend, was driving at this time, pulled over when she saw it was Rod and Scott. She got out of the Skylark to go talk to them, and when she came back to Dana and Heather, she told Dana she's not sure if the boys killed someone or not. They have red splattered all over them. I hope they were charged as accessories. This girl pretty much wrote her parents' death sentence to some psycho. She totally did. She did. She's 14 years old, 15 years old, whatever, still, yeah. You know what a lie is. You may not understand the consequences, but you understand lies. Mm -hmm. At this time, Scott swapped the tag on his car with the tag on Heather's parents' car. Mm. So... The Ford Explorer now has Kentucky tags. Kentucky tags. tags. Gotcha. And they left the area with plans to go to New Orleans. They were on the road for three days before they were finally caught in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, so they went to Louisiana. Yes. Day number one on the run, which is November 26th, Dana said that Rod bragged about the murders the whole time. Now, wait. So, question. So they meet up with the guys. She's mm-hmm. like, Dana, the friend, was like, I don't know if they killed someone or not. Correct. And Heather's the daughter. Correct. Okay. Did Heather know that her parents died? Did they go to her house? Did she walk in? Did she see them? Heather did not know until they were on their way, is what she claims. Okay. So she just would, just took their word for it, and they just kept driving. Correct. Okay. They ended up in New Orleans or in Baton Rouge, Yes. Said. They told Heather, I mean, it was obvious they killed somebody, but they told Heather on the way once they are in the car. I think Heather was just kind of going with emotions at this point. Maybe she was terrified. But I don't, I mean, I would Can you have imagine been. if somebody, if you're sitting in the back seat and this guy's covered in blood and he's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> I just killed the fuck out of your parents. To get their car. Yeah, and she's like, what? Yeah. And now she's in these car with these people and it's like, I don't know, that's sketchy. Yeah. So, day one on the run he bragged about the murders the whole time, and he had brought the murder weapon with them. So the crowbar was in the car, in the Ford Explorer, with them on day one. He would randomly pull it out at times and brag about killing them. Sure. He even said himself that three days of being on the run was an utter rush for him, which is disgusting. God, You're a disgusting a human being. I don't even need PCP and acid and shrooms and and crank crystal meth and weed. I don't even need any of that stuff because I just got high off of killing some people. Yeah, there's something fucking wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Day two on the run, murder warrants were issued for all five of the teens They broke into someone's home, taking a piggy bank with some money in it and a crossbow and arrow. They were running out of money at this point, because you have to think, these are teenagers who never had jobs. Yeah, they didn't have checking accounts. Debit cards were not nearly as common then. People were still cutting checks. Yeah, wiring money. Yeah. So they steal a piggy bank and a crowbar, and the money in the piggy bank was just enough for them to get to Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, day three on the run, which also happens to be Thanksgiving Day, um, per Sergeant Ben Odom, Heather was driving when they pulled up to a war, a World War II destroyer named the USS Kid. So, they're... Sightseeing. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. And this is where they disposed of the murder weapon and the other weapons that they had stolen. After they had disposed of the murder weapons, they went to the Centroplex in Baton Rouge, where Charity used a payphone to call her grandmother asking for money. Her grandmother told her... Okay. So, it's all over the news at this point. This murder. Yes. And these kids. Who discovered their body? Well, we will get to that. Okay, okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So... They're all over the news. Like, it's national news at And they're this just point. driving around And they're just driving around. I don't even know if these kids knew what was going on. They were in a car for three days. I mean, in social media. You guys, there's yeah. no cell phones. No social media. I mean, we're talking. They pulled there's up. There's newspapers. At the and you stations. watch the news. Yeah. Exactly. So her grandmother told her to go to the Howard Johnson Hotel to get money that she was going to send her. But, of course, her grandmother had informed the police Good for that grandma. Yes, of her in the clan's location. And by the time that these kids arrived to the hotel, the police were already there waiting for them. Good. They were all placed under arrest for the murder and burglary. 
And Odom said that Heather Windorf was the only one who appeared to be upset and crying at the time of the arrest. Of course. That's terrible. And to answer your question, back in Florida, Jennifer Windorf, Heather's 17-year-old sister, <gasps> came home from work on the night of the murders to what was an absolutely horrific murder scene. And discovered them. Yes. She called 911 around 1035. And this home was unrecognizable to the gruesome murder scene like it was due to the gruesome murder scene yeah because he beat them to death it's not Mm -hmm. like it was like a you know i wouldn't say stab wound is better but there are deaths that are cleaner than others yes and like i said back on the documentary i watched this is the 90s so they showed the murder scene yeah if you have any interest in seeing it that's where you can see video footage of it if you don't like that kind of stuff don't watch it but If you don't like that kind of stuff, what are you doing listening to us? Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But Jennifer would later say, this is so sad. I couldn't imagine losing my parents at such a sensitive age. Mm -hmm. The pain will never go away. Life was perfect before the murders. I had a scholarship to FSU. I had great friends. I was co-captain of the cheerleaders. I had been promoted to my part-time job at Publix. My life was so full. I had love. I had it all until I had nothing. That's horrible. And that was a quote from Jennifer Windorf. That's horrible. She's been scarred her whole life. Mm-hmm. And her sister didn't even have the audacity to stop by and check in or do anything. So how, how many days after the murder were they caught? Three days. So, so for, they were caught on... So her 14-year-old sister yeah. drove around with these guys for three days. After and, the murders. And didn't have any inkling to call the police no they thought that she was either kidnapped or a victim herself heather yeah i mean she's so young but they all were Mm -hmm. so it's like uh, that's hard to say richard windorf was 49 years old when he was killed he was described as hardworking, smart and a good honest businessman he had a twin brother named bill (laughs) and bill bill and bill would said uh bill would say He had a twin brother named Bill, and Bill said, I keep a live organ at their grave, always. Rick was and will always remain my twin. James Windorf, who was Richard's father, said he had just played a round of golf with him not even 48 hours before his son was murdered. And that he, he said he was just gone. And I don't care how old you are, you never quit being a parent. And his father was 76 at the time his son was murdered. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. (sighs) That is. Ruth Windorf was 54 when she was killed. She was a stay-at-home mother who loved gardening, painting, landscape pictures, quilting, and tending to her chickens. She had a rooster named Floyd. Stop. The Windorfs attended every single Eustace High football game to cheer on and support their daughter, Jennifer, who was a cheerleader, and Richard would even go to every out-of-town game to support her. So he never missed watching his daughter cheer. Wow. I hope Heather feels like shit. I do, too. People would kill for good parents. Mm -hmm. There's not enough of those. And I'm not saying her parents were perfect, but it doesn't sound like she was really sexually abused. You know, it doesn't sound like she was really Mm-mm. neglected. It seems like the house was nice. Her sister was obviously successful. Yeah. So they provided a safe environment in the home. Yeah. And um, Richard's father would say that his daughters were wrapped around his finger. Or he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no, he loved had, his daughters. Yeah. Yeah. They had him wrapped around their finger. They had him wrapped around their finger. Yeah. So they were daddy girls. Yes. Bless. Well, Jennifer was at least. Sure. The couple were both described as very loving and easygoing. Her and Richard were buried side by side in Winter Park, Florida. And so we're going to now talk about the clan and what they were sentenced to and all that. Okay, but first, during the time of Rod's trial, his mother was arrested for soliciting sex to a 14-year-old boy. What? Yes. And that boy, I'm not going to say his name because he was so young at the time, but it was Jaden's younger brother. (gasps) Yeah. So, clearly, there was a whole lot of abuse going on. Yes. His 
his mom suffered her own mental illnesses. Yeah. Sandra did. So let me read one of the letters she wrote this 14-year-old. They were really disturbing, by the way. So mentally prepare for this. I long to be near you for your embrace. Yes, to become a vampire, a part of the family, immortal and truly yours forever. I only hope that one day you will once again return to Murray. You will then come for me and cross me over and I will be your bride for eternity and you my sire. Sandra Gibson. That's exactly what she wrote in one of the letters to a 14-year-old boy. A child. What the fuck? Okay, so did Rod had have any kind of um, relationship at this age with his mother? Because it's not like she's into the same oh, shit. Oh, yeah, she visit, visited him every Saturday after he was obviously put in prison. Yeah, nice. But yeah, she would visit him, and people would say their relationship was weird. Yeah. Which it, I mean, what mother would encourage their son to put on their makeup to watch horror movies together. I can understand like, that from a parent's perspective. If you encourage healthy boundaries but, yes, and healthy behavior, you have to understand that you're not this person in the movie. You're not a vampire. You're not, none of that is real. We all would love to live in a fantasy. Yeah. I mean, but you're, that's not reality. They weren't like in the backyard playing like pirates or yeah. And, whatever knights cops and, and robbers and or shit. Yeah. yeah they were like cutting each other and sucking each other's blood yeah they like, were role-playing as vampires taking it a little too far so rod farrell pled guilty to and was sentenced to death for the murders of the windorfs but that was later reduced to life in prison due to a u.s supreme court ruling that a 16 year old defendant at the time is too young to be executed gotcha so rod farrell is still living today He's in his 40s. Um, Scott Anderson was convicted of first-degree murder and is serving two consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Dana Cooper was charged with third-degree murder and was released from prison on October 15th, 2011. Wow. What you have to think? This happened in 1996, so... Yeah. Charity Kesey was charged with third-degree murder and was released from prison on March 23rd, 2006. But while she was in prison, she was caught drinking other inmates' blood. <gasps> and all charges were dropped for Heather Windorf after questioning she was free to go. And her family, like her grandparents and aunts and uncles, they really struggled with dealing with her afterwards. Yeah. And I didn't look too much into what happened to Heather, but she had a very difficult childhood after these murders when she could have lived a happy continue to live a happy childhood and have a good high school career like her sister was. That shit's disturbing. It is disturbing. And I want to read a quote showing just how disturbing Rod is. And this is at the time of the killing again. So this is just like a different quote in a different interview. But this one's pretty rough too. So if you don't want to hear about it, don't listen to this podcast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you will be offended if you listen to You us. will definitely be offended by this but i feel like this is really important to understand his personality sure. and the kind of person that he is this is at the time he was killing ruth by that time you know it was pretty obvious i had blood on me and a crowbar in my hand i was fixing to say yeah i want to have coffee with you son of a bitching smart ass but anyway then that's when she lunged at me because i was actually going to let her live but after she lunged at me, I just took the bottom of the crowbar and kept stabbing it through her skull. And whenever she fell down, I just continually beat her until she, um, excuse me, until I saw her brains falling on the floor. Because that <gasps> pissed me off. Like, what kind of monster are you? Like. <sighs> this is exactly why he'll never get out. No, and he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. He is, he's a menace to society. This kid had some rage. And yeah. Um, Mr. Windorf suffered from more than 22 blows to the face. So we're going to close out this episode with a quote from the judge on Rod's trial. And this is what he said. Rod, I think you're a disturbed young individual. I think your family failed you. I think society failed you. Mm -hmm. But I also am here to tell you 
in the considered judgment of this court, a troubled and disturbed youth cannot serve as an excuse for cold-blooded, premeditated murder. Absolutely. And he's 100% right. He is. And that's why he's still in prison. Because, like I said, you know right from wrong. Absolutely. Wrong is killing. Right is not. Period. Point blank. Point blank, period. If you're a vampire (laughs) or a human. (laughs) Who are you? Whatever you identify as, murder is wrong. (laughs) And there's a lot of different people out there nowadays. Absolutely. So let's just, let's just keep it at that. You do you, but don't murder people. (laughs) Like uh, that one podcast is, stay safe and don't get murdered. <laughs> I think that's what they say. Which one is that? Let's uh, shout them out. <laughs> that would be uh, my favorite murder. Okay. Which is like the number one podcast and has been for years for true crime. My I'll favorite have murder. to give it a listen. My favorite murder. Yeah, it's the number one true crime podcast in in America. It has to be. And that's not like my own. Like, they're not even my favorite podcast. I enjoy them, but they're yes. not even my favorite. But Well, anyways, guys, wow, what an interesting episode. Yes. This was a good one. Well, thanks for hanging with us. Um, We have more episodes to come, so make sure you stay tuned. I'm Carly. I'm Shelby. And we're out. See you guys later. Bye.